Blog Talk Radio. For sustains humanity, human beings, human love, on a spiritual tip, so vast, so great, the African embrace. Live beyond, love beyond your skin to where you belong. Original one. Hip hop town, hip hop town, we give this town. Hip hop town, hip hop town, we give this town. Hip hop town, hip hop town, we give this town. Hip hop town, hip hop town, we give this town. Hip hop town, hip hop town, we give this town. Hip hop town
are we? And how do we be? We are doo-wop and bebop and hip-hop that we don't stop. You see, it started a long time ago and it wasn't a show. We gave birth to a style like a precocious child. Feeling the passion for life, erasing away all the strife. Telling our tales with verbal mail, putting honey on the blade, creating language to persuade. Share who we've always been. Always a blessing, never a sin. We are doo-wop and bebop and hip-hop and we don't stop. Since our mother gave birth to everyone on earth. So we echo her call. And always walk tall. Cause we're hip to the world, so we create black pearls. Everyone can wear. Everyone can share. We can't live in despair. So we shine everywhere. On and on. On and on. On and on. Welcome you back to Africa on the Move. As your host for Africa, it's always an honor and privilege to come to your home where we speak to the powerless and the powerful. Today is the 20th day of March, 2022. Now, theme today is Black Agenda Report Speaks on Wall. We'll be discussing some critical issues that have been taken up by the recent publication of Black Virginia Report, and we'd like, as always, for you to join us by dialing in at 323-679-0841. But in the meantime, like always, you know how we get started with our party. We're going to introduce our pleasure panelists, followed by a section in which we call what's going on in your world and the community, and then we'll have a discussion for our theme tonight. So that's our order for the day. Welcome again. I'm Brother Africa, the host of the program. And what we're going to do right now is to introduce to you for today's program our political panelists and analysts for today's program. First, we'll bring in Brother Haki, and we'd like to welcome to Africa on the Moon. Welcome, Brother Haki. Brother Africa, thanks for having me. My name is <coughs> Haiki Kamafi Mashoki. <coughs> Currently, I'm with African Awareness. And, of course, Brother Africa, you know my thing is all about institution building. But certainly one of the reasons why institution building is so important is that it provides a certain kind of clarification. Uh, you know, one of the things, you know, when we, when we look around the world and we see the kind of upheaval that's impacting the world and specifically, you know, Africa, then we have to ask ourselves, you know, what accounts for this kind of upheaval? Why is this turmoil? Why is these problems taking shape in Africa? Well, of course, the reality is that there's a long history in terms of this kind of animus toward Africa, and oftentimes uh, a lot of Africans are not clear of that history. So what I want to do is briefly ask some history in terms of the challenges Africa faced and why these challenges exist in the first place. And having said that, Brother Africa, <clears throat> listen to this. Now, discussion around rule-based order are usually vague with respect to philosophy and intent. Originally labeled the 
the liberal international order, the name was changed to the rule-based order to reflect trade was global, not international. Implicit in this meaning was the notion liberal economics or Western states shared a common historical framework while the rights of individuals, in particular wealthy individuals, would supersede the broader interests of humanity. This philosophy was encoded in international trade and finance, establishing legitimate players in world commerce, and at the same time, excluding from participation uh, <coughs> um, uh, certain members from international participation in commerce. The World Trade Organization, derived from a general agreement on trade and tariffs, clearly laid out the rules of international trade, which stipulates benefits of trade will accrue to Western liberal democracies only while relegating other states to a colonial status. Ironically, prior to the end of the Cold War, Russia was designated colonial status not because it was a non-white country, but because historically it advocated the rights of labor that impinged on the capitalist's ability to employ maximum exploitation for maximum profit. The roots of rules-based order goes back to the Age of Enlightenment in Europe. However, prior to the Age of Enlightenment was the Renaissance era between 13th century and the 17th century AD, where Moors, darker skinned, Darkest, excuse me, where Moors, darker-skinned Africans, according to Herodotus, a Greek historian, people with woolly hair and dark complexion, referred to as Melanthros, settled in Europe around the Iberian Peninsula, or currently where Spain and Portugal is located, bringing with them knowledge of architect, astronomy, science, literature, and art. Builders of institutions in Europe for over 800 years, the Moorish influence was palpable throughout Europe and persists to today. The Renaissance era gave way to the Age of Enlightenment, where the Catholic Church initiated a campaign to rid Europe of Moorish influence and to consolidate the power of the popes. In order to justify the expulsion of Moors from Europe, concepts like purity of blood, division of the humans based upon skin color, came into existence. Eventually, these social platitudes manifest in pseudoscience and books validating the concept of race. Social conventions agreed upon by Western scholars to employ deception to facilitate division and hate succeeded. These divisions would not only have negative implications for humans, but would be used to relegate an entire continent to systematic poverty and marginalization unknown in the annals of human history. Now, Africa consists of 54 states, 800 ethnic groups, 1,000 languages, and land mass of 11.2 million square miles. The raw resources were, were well established by Arab and Western excursions into Africa. In search of markets for African goods, some African leaders indulged in trade with foreign interlopers, while some, like Muhammad Chitip, established trade to the African bodies of Africans <coughs> from rival tribes captured during skirmishes, in a big way contribute to the opening of the floodgates, justifying the enslavement of African people. Enslavement of African people took on broader and broader dimensions. Historically, slave, slave, slavery was relegated to cram tens of thousands of Africans on ships. But today's slavery is more clandestine and in many respects more pernicious than the past. Today's slavery embodies words like Bush Senior's designation, the New World Order, or Bill Clinton, former President Bill Clinton, uh, assertive multilateralism. Both terms used to inflict <coughs> fear on countries, on countries specifically the Global South, who opposes U.S. interests. Most recent examples of ruthlessness the U.S. is willing to employ in pursuit of its objectives is the bombing of Libya because its jets would engage U.S. jets that violate Libya's airspace, or the U.S. military invasion of Somalia because the people opposed the corruption of President Mohammed 
ideas and its willingness to support U.S. interests. Ironically, Western puppets in Africa working on, beh- on behalf of imperialism interest is received favorably by Western elites because it squares neatly with the facade. Western leaders want to see Africa excel economically. The game of modernization theory often avails itself when questions arise with respect to imperialism design and its structures. Modernization theory holds African states function best when they emulate Western economies and political systems. This notion is discredited in light of Nigeria and South Africa's economies that employed market-based Western-style business practices, and the results, like the U.S. economy, have been disastrous. If, if the poverty does not undermine the economy, inflation does. Thomas Sankara, the, the former revolutionary president of Burkina Faso, said it best. After, quote, African countries' credit, <coughs> creditors are the same ones who use or manage as states and economies. That constitutes a skillfully managed reconquest of Africa, requiring states to compromise public services for the people and becoming financially enslaved. African countries could not repay their debt. They lacked the means and moral obligations to repay creditors, and in other words, colonizers, my words, end quote. Imperialism at its core is anti-democratic. This is particularly germane when it comes to preventing Africa from competing in an economic arena. Uh, <clears throat> in particular, there are three different ways in which this is accomplished. Loans and aids imposed without regard to economic restraints imposed by Western institutions, without the power of African states to determine how credits are spent or allocated, or the allocation of those credits. Secondly, undervalued African currencies by Western states ensures Africa never had a voice in functioning Western financial institutions. And thirdly, African states' intervention in economic affairs of states are seen as tariffs, triggering intervention by Western financial institutions to further decrease the value of African currency, exacerbating an already weak economy. If the brazen undermining of African economy is not sufficient, Western states militarily intervene in Africa with the, with the intent to destabilize Africa, fragile economy under the guise of fighting terrorism. Ironically, the biggest recruiting tool for extremism is Western military intervention in Africa. Nick Tursay, a journalist, recently disclosed over the last year and a half, African soldiers trained and financed by U.S led seven coups and numerous coup attempts in West Africa, three in Burkina Faso, three in Mali, one in Guinea, Mauritania, and the Gambia. While some Africans acquiesce to perpetuate economic hardships is hard for me to reconcile, Professor P.L.O. Lumumba theorized this propensity for Africans to participate in their own misery may reside with religious indoctrination. Professor Lumumba asked the question, who has witched us? Despite centuries of colonialism, economic devastation, why do African leaders embrace any indignation to access crumbs to access crumbs on the table? African countries in the U.S. struggle to empower ourselves, content to wait for a system that dimensionally opposes any aspect of African existence, be it socially, peculiarly, or economically, fails to resonate in so many African minds. Perhaps Africans should take another look at liberation theology. Whatever the justification, at some point, the centrality of history has to resonate. If it doesn't, the fight against oppression will take a different form with different protagonists. And it's key that African people understand the reality of the situation we're confronted with, because we can no longer pretend that this is just a fair world, but we've got to see things what they are. And if we don't understand the role of military intervention in Africa, then we're in desperate straits. And I'll close with that, Brother Africa. Thank you, Brother Haki. At this time, we would like to welcome 
Brother Anthony to Africa to remove. Welcome, Brother Anthony. Uh, thank you for having me, Brother Africa. Our revolutionary greetings to you, the fellow panelists and the listening audience. My name is Anthony Williams. I'm an organizer for the All African People's Revolutionary Party, D.C. Objective is Pan-Africanism, the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. Thank you, Brother Anthony. Going from Brother Anthony to Brother Moses. We said welcome, Brother Moses, to Africa on the move. Thank you, thank you, Brother Africa, and greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice, especially the illustrious panelists. My name is Robert Andrew Moses, and I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism during a government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there is one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that Mao Zedong is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. And we don't reverse correct verdicts. I'm pro-choice, and I vote. Believe that women hold up half the sky. That's why I'm for the Equal Rights Amendment, ERA, yes. And the struggle is to, is to, to get the narrative straight. Everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a, 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 a depiction of the facts. There are a lot of facts, and we can agree on facts, but sometimes we don't get our narrative squared away. And uh, the fact is the 1% control a great deal of the wealth of the world and that, you know, we, we, we need to appropriate some of that wealth for the benefit of the masses. And that's, and that's antagonistic to the 1% interest. And, uh, you know, they will do anything to stop that from happening. Anyway, we need to get organized. Thank you. And uh, allow me to be on the show, Brother Africa. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And next we bring in Sister Eleanor. And we would like to welcome her as well to Africa on the Moon. Welcome, Sister Eleanor. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, Brother Africa, fellow panelists, and listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and allowing me to pay in this evening's show. Thank you for having me. And uh, the struggle continues. We see that uh, the struggle in Syria, uh, Israel has been bombing and, and in the Golan Heights in the last couple of weeks as it continues to uh, kill Palestinians Four youth have been killed in the last two weeks, um, one at an eviction. They were evicting his family from uh, illegally occupied territory, and the 17-year-old was killed. So we have to struggle uh, for human rights and that we all stand in solidarity, as both panelists said, to redistribute the wealth for the good of Mother Earth and good of all people. Thank you, Sister Eleanor, and again, welcome to all our panelists and our listening audience. 
This is Africa on the Moon. We're going to take a rough share culture break. And when we come back, we want you to join us as we discuss what's going on in your world and the community. This is Africa on the Moon.
attitude towards Africa. In San Francisco, on African Liberation Day, Brother Walter Rodney, an African historian, noted both the importance of African Liberation Day in terms of our African identity and some of the root causes for our problem of identification. I have met brothers and sisters who say that their mother tongue, quote unquote, is French, Spanish, Dutch, Portuguese, as well as English, which we speak. And because of this, we have a problem of identification. We do not know whom we are. 
And that is why this gathering is of great symbolic importance, because it is an act of identification. We are saying that we identify with the African people of the African continent. We are saying that we are an African people. And when we make this identification, have no illusions about the fact that this is a very revolutionary initiative. It is a rejection of every other form of identification which the white society has asked us to accept. Let me draw your attention to something which white universities and white libraries practice. And this is a university community. Numerous universities lie around this land. Go into their libraries and check the Library of Congress cards on the Europe or European. You will find all entries listed concerning the continent of Europe. You will also find entries listed about Europeans in East Africa, Europeans in North Africa, Europeans in Asia and Australia. Look under the Chinese, you will find entries listed not only for mainland China, but for Malaysia and for the Chinese in, in, the, in North America. But look on the Africa and the Africans, the only entries on the Africans relate to the continent itself. There are no entries on the Africans overseas. There is no such category. Africans who have been raped from the continent mysteriously disappear and become Negroes. We would like to welcome you back to Africa on the Moon. You will listen to Walter Rodney, who spoke in California at African Liberation Day back in 1972. I was just wondering, uh, having a reflection on some of the things he stated, uh, seeing like he could be still talking to African people today and relating to our present condition globally. We welcome you back on the 20th day of March, 2020. On Africa on the Moon, and at this time, we'd like to go into our segment, What's Going On in Your World and the Community, and we invite you, the listening audience, to call in if you choose to and share with us what's going on in your world and the community as well. You can dial 323-679-0841. Just for a little bit of historical purposes, I have a little side note I'd like to share with you. Today we're going to our political panelists. The analyst that states that Africans in Ethiopia rallied the Italian fascists in 1896. This is one of the days where we defeated one of the foreign invaders who came to Africa. So let's get in the seat and begin to take some heat as we define it. We're going to stand behind it and bring in our prison panelists and analysts for today's day. Start out with your brother, Haki. You can talk to us and let us know. Going on your world and the community. Well, Brother Africa, you know, this this question around the unfairness of laws is very, very interesting. The more you look into the the, the evolution of, of laws, and the more you, you, you begin to understand systematically uh the kind of uh disparities that are that exist within the context of the law. And so, therefore, in that context, you can't realistically expect to be treated fairly uh, in, in, in law that's based upon uh, your class standing in society. 
So in event, I just I just checked out I just information that came across I thought was important to share with people. It's given some insight in terms of the laws that uh, we we obey, and understand that a lot of these laws are fundamentally uh, in opposition to the interests, you know, of poor and or, or or working people in the society. And so I think it's important that we point out this uh, this uh, this, uh, this this very real infraction as it relates to to the law. In event, brother Africa. Now, discretionary use of state power is essential in defining how power is used. There appears to be a disparity in the application of law around class. This disparity in applying law is only understandable in the context of history, but is equally plausible in assessing the decline of the society. In the case of imperialism, Western domination of the global economy has been in the emergence of China, Russia, and India. Additional hardships have been imposed on Western imperialism by revolutionary autonomous states like Cuba, Venezuela, Nicaragua, El Salvador, and Eritrea, willing to take on Western imperialist structures, unable to force them into submission. The emergence of these states have compromised the West's economic stability, but just as important, has served as catalysts for Western internal, internal crisis, which where, where affordability of human necessity, like food, shelter, education, and jobs, are not available for the working poor, unemployed, or fixed-income individuals. These individuals which constitute the majority of society pose challenges for Western states and the, and the instability they represent must be addressed by the state. Primary means of addressing this threat is use of laws. Utilization of laws are important for two reasons. One, to create a precedent of ensuring that Pompous knows who is in control, thereby establishing parameters of behavior that will be tolerated. And two, reinforcing the status so as to establish the exhortation of those who are subjects of the laws as opposed to principles of the law. This distinction is key to understanding the application of laws. Subjects of laws, legal rights, are determined by the states without expectation laws will be applied in a reasonable or humane way. Principles of laws connotes an established process or procedure whereby elites in society, realities are independent from others and must be taken into consideration when applying laws. The contrast between these two Concepts can best be demonstrated concretely by two legal cases. First case is the case of Pamela Moses. Now, Pamela Moses, back in 2019, she's out in Memphis, Tennessee, ran for mayor of Memphis, Tennessee, but was told that she couldn't run because she has previous felony convictions uh, that was that, was, that happened back in 2015. Now, she went to the previously she when she was told by the probation officers uh, probation her probation status had ended. Uh, after, after excuse me, previously told by postulation officer, her probation had ended after reviewing her certificate. She was told she could vote because all the state's requirements had been satisfied or met. Needless to say, after attempt at voting, not actually voting, she was charged with voter fraud. The prosecutor concealed the fact Tennessee Department of Corrections was an error, and the notion Mrs. Moses planned the miscommunication uh, was felonious. Fallacious, I'm sorry, fallacious. No charges of prosecutor misconduct because the underhandedness of the legal system against the poor and ethnic minorities is permissible or totally legal. Ironically, Mark Meadows, Trump's former chief of staff, committed voter fraud by voting in districts in North Carolina where he did not reside between the years of 2013 to 2020. The response from state officials who knew since 2013 was to refer the case to the federal to the Department of Justice. In all likelihood, those cases will be referred right back to the state. 
A second case that is relevant with respect to subjects of laws referred to the 14- or 15-year-old African girl in the U.K. that was confronted by Metropolitan Police over allegations of possessing, possessing cannabis while at school. After a search of her person, no cannabis was found. Not content with the search results, the police proceeded to strip search the young lady without regard of her age or parental presence. The humiliation and shame inflicted on this child is beyond abhorrent. The violation of a human rights and search of cannabis, or any other reason for that matter, suggests the expectation of reasonableness or fairness did not apply. The fact these police felt emboldened to perpetuate such a horrendous act suggests the legal system condones such acts against African bodies. The fact one and a half years later, these police are still on the force suggests the complicity of the police department is alive and sanctioned by laws that, that devalue poor lives. Secondly, the concept of principle of laws connotations about legal safeguards for the elites is very, is very apparent in the case of Donald Trump. Recently, Attorney General Merrick Garland refused to indict Trump for his involvement in orchestrating the rise of January 6th. Garland's strategy of resolving straightforward cases to be a more complex one is admirable, but the legal safeguards afforded Trump would never be accessible to the poor. In the case of the January 6th rioters, much of the information used to convict were circumstantial. Establishing intent was not a consideration to bring charges against the rioters, but it's conveniently espoused to justify non-charges against Trump, despite enormous amounts of the evidence against Trump. The House Select Committee just released a brief consisting of 550 people exposing obstruction of justice when Trump attempted to force Vice President Pence not to certify the election based upon election claim fraud. Trump was advised by his campaign staff, Department of Homeland Security, and Attorney General that his claims of voter fraud was a lie and Trump knew it. According to the Rolling Stones magazine, three organizers of the January 6th riot met with congressional members of Trump's inner cabinet, specifically Chief of Staff Mark Meadows and political advisors. It was alleged Trump himself spoke at the Ellipse, a rally prior to January 6th riot, and pulled the rioters to fight like hell. There's no question the substantive element of laws is playing its part, and Trump is a beneficiary. And gleaming Trump's long criminal history entailed in, his, in the book City for Sale, his ability to engage in crime ranging from bank fraud to tax evasion, from obstruction of justice to paying off Stormy Daniels, individuals without doubt who has benefited from laws that are less stringent for wealthy individuals. If he avoids federal charges for his latest criminality, chalk it up to the dubious nature of Western laws, and I close with that, Brother Africa. All right, we thank you, Brother Haki. Going from Brother Haki to Brother Anthony, what's going on in your world and the community? We turn it over to Brother Anthony. The mic is yours. Africa, a couple of uh, issues. One, uh, let's see, uh, the Ukrainian uh, government is trying to re- uh, to, uh, to re- re- recruit people from other nations to fight in its war against uh, Russia. And uh, this is, um, and, uh, and uh, you know, and, and some, uh, and there's some Africans in the diaspora and at home, unfortunately, that are falling for the bait. And, uh, you know, and uh, this is, uh, 
uh, very dangerous and uh, uh, worsens conditions for Africans worldwide in terms of uh, who have, uh, you know, nothing to do with the conflict between uh, uh, Russia and Ukraine. And uh, and uh, was uh, sparked by uh, NATO intervention in Ukraine's foreign affairs. And uh, let's see, and uh, it... Um, it uh, makes things uh, worse for everybody. Uh, but uh, the from um, you know listening to alternate media, uh, there are sections of Africans that are uh, that are opposed to uh, the sides that governments took in uh, in this uh, conflict. And uh, so, um, you know, that's one of the ramifications of uh, the neocolonial domination of uh, African communities around the world. Thank you, Brother Afnan. Now we'll make a transition to Brother Moses. Brother Moses, welcome to Afghan and what's going on in your world and the community? Thank you, thank you, Brother Africa. As uh, Sister Eleanor pointed out, the Palestinian people are being bombarded with the atrocities of the Israeli state and its Zionist program. Um, the world still goes on, even though it is um, relatively modern, um, second world country, European country, that's under attack. Uh, in terms of what's going on in the Civil War in the, in the Ukraine. Uh, the, the president is getting ready to go to Brussels to cheerlead and beef up the NATO forces and I'm sure saber-rattling. And uh, we have to be on guard against the U.S. going to war against Russia uh, and beefing up NATO to go to war against Russia. Um, uh, there's there's a lot going on. Uh, um, I'll, I'll leave it right there, though. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And Sister Eleanor, we come to you. What's going on in your world and the community? Well, my concern is NATO. NATO is a problem and is fostering aggression in Europe. We see for the first time since World War II the massive buildup of weapons, but not only weapons. The U.S. is supplying countries like Poland and other NATO countries and the Ukraine with modern technology. So in the two weeks of the Ukrainian war, the U.S. bragged of giving the Ukrainians 17,000 anti-tank and anti-aircraft missiles. So here we have a civil war, but with NATO involved, it became much more in that the Ukrainian people did not need to negotiate 
because they were encouraged to go to war. We've agreed that if Poland gives its current aircraft to the Ukraine, that the U.S. provide our 35, something 35 stealth bombers. I forget the first word in front of this, 35 stealth bombers. It's not 35 bombers. It's the name of this plane. We're going to give them 15 a year for 10 years and train the Polish people to fly them. This is an affront on world peace and the environment. We are arming these Europeans. This is incorrect. NATO needs to be dismantled. It is harmful. The only people that benefit are the warmongers and the people who produce these atrocious weapons. Russia cannot stand up against NATO, and we need not force Russia into a war with the U.S. Zelensky was asking for a no-fly zone. A no-fly zone means that fighter planes go up into the sky and shoot everybody else down. That is a act of war. That is world war. We have a real problem, and the problem is NATO. We need NATO to be dissolved. It was developed in 1949 as a tool to control the Soviet Union. There is no Soviet Union, and there hasn't been a Soviet Union in more than 20 years. What are we doing? So it's time for the working class to know that NATO needs to go. Meanwhile. Thank you, Suzelle. Thank you, Suzelle Noy. You're listening to Africa on the Move. We're going to take a a ruptured agriculture break, and when we come back, we're going to continue the discussion on what's going on in your world and community. And like always, you can join us. This is Africa on the Move. Chains living in pain, today is the same, and nothing ever changes. Hung by the news, can't tell the truth, filled with abuse, and everywhere there's danger. How long can this go on? When will the light I see? I know I must be. Strong to last through my journey, yeah. To last through my journey, yeah. Time will arrive when we must decide to get off the ride and stop going through these changes. We must prepare and learn how to care for soon. There where our lives won't be in danger And when the light is clear Oh, how beautiful I will be To know 
that I've been here and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 made it through my journey, made it through my journey, Hellerino, a bloodline across the waters, from Benin to Salvador Bahia, a scar across the face of the earth. Pellerino, the place they brought the Africans, the place where they tried to make them slaves. Pellerino, you can feel the whip, hear the cries, and see the blood in the red clay. The clay that holds the stones together is African. And each stone is a bone from a people called slaves. Pellerino was the place where death came to dwell. His neighbors did not complain, for he was a way out. From the cold, gray, cobblestone streets to the lifeless cathedrals, tall walls of demons called angels, haunted visions of white faces, crucifying Jesus again and again. But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights, pacing the floors of his funeral parlor, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods, where haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk and was reborn and baptized in the sound of sensual skin, turned up to dance, to inspire a fire like the sun, pronouncing his presence. Pellerino was the tongue of the flame, licking the eyes of those who have tried to remain blind, shining a light on a spirit that would not be denied. No, the chains did not break the spirit, did not enslave the music of my soul, did not shackle the will of my freedom, did not tarnish the glow of my gold, and all the Pellerinos in Africa, in Europe, in North and South America cannot destroy the majesty of my people, the love of my people, shining like the sun everywhere we go, everywhere we go. light is clear, oh how beautiful I will be, to know that I've been here, and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 yeah. Burn it all. If I had all the riches in the 
welcome you back to Africa on the Moon, day of March 2022. We're continuing our discussion on what's going on in your world and the community. We'd like to raise this question with our political panelists and analysts at this time, and we invite you as well to join us by calling in 323-679-0841, hit one. We will not the last for numbers. But panelists and analysts, when we look at this so-called crisis of war that is going on between two countries, Ukraine and Russia, one of the things that comes to my mind is this idea of it's very important to know who is your enemy as well as the danger of not knowing your history and not only repeating your errors again, but doing it many times. I'm saying all of this because I think Brother Anthony raised earlier in one of his uh, reports that forces are recruiting and trying to encourage African people to go to Ukraine and fight on behalf of the government of Ukraine. Now, to read this quote by Brother Malcolm, and I would like each one of you to respond to what would you say to Africans when it comes to this question of why we should or should not uh, go to Ukraine and fight on behalf of the Ukraine government. I think clearly our people need some serious direction and information and understanding of who are our friends and who are our enemies. A lesson we can draw for this is one of the statements that Brother Malcolm left us many years ago where he stated, the media, the most powerful entity on earth, they had the power to make the innocent guilty and to make the guilty innocent. And that's power because they control the minds of the masses. The press is so powerful in its image-making role, it can make the criminal look like he's the victim and make the victim look like he's the criminal. If you aren't careful, the newspapers and TVs will have you hating the people who are being oppressed and loving the people who are doing the oppressing. Panelists, speak to the issue to our youth, whether or not they should be going to Ukraine and fighting for the interest of the Ukraine government. Brother Aki, give our people some sense of direction and understanding. Your position. Well, Brother Africa, on a very very fundamental level, the question is, what interest would it serve to go for Africans go to Ukraine to fight? What interest would it serve? Uh, one of the things that Sister Eleanor talked about earlier, she talked about the, the evolution of NATO. NATO, of course, is a in, in place is, is, is designed to reinforce or to perpetuate imperialism. That's precisely what it is. Uh, this chief architect, the U.S., uh, has no really uh, has no really um, uh, desire. You know, for a just and harmonious world, uh, the U.S. and its imperialist, imperialist acolytes 
are solely concerned in terms of empowerment for a few people at the expense of the of the many. So clearly, so any kind of any kind of military uh, or, or military um, uh, 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 um, uh, situation that takes place, and the U.S. has any relationship to that to that conflict, then we understand that that conflict inevitably serves a U.S. states a U.S. states interest. That interest doesn't mean the interest of the rest of the people. It means the interest of the ruling class or the very very wealthy in society. So for, and so in, in that context, when you talk about African people going to Ukraine to fight for the Ukrainians. The question is, why would you make it possible for the same forces in America who are adequately opposed to your own survival, why would you go to Ukraine and fight for Ukraine, which only consolidate the power of those people in the United States to make it possible for more adequately uh, 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 oppress you as an African person in the context of North America? So there is no rationale, there's no justification in terms of Africans going to Ukraine to fight the, you, 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 the fight in the Ukraine or Russia in the conflict. More importantly, in terms of Ukraine, just in terms of its uh, propensity, in terms of its, 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 its you know, this, 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 this advocating of, of Nazi rights, uh, that doesn't sit well with me. Um, of course, President Zelensky himself, him himself stated that he's adequate, he said he, he says at least that he, he opposed Nazism. At least he intimates that he's opposed to Nazism. But the problem is that when you look at the military structure of the Ukraine military, there's a disproportionate, a, a large amount of their their military force are actually as a battalion, which are not which which affiliate themselves with the Nazis, and so in that context, and you got to ask yourself: you as an African person, you go in and fight fighting on the side of Ukraine, what allegiance possibly could you have in terms of you know fighting for Nazis? It doesn't make any sense at all, and the mere fact that folks are confused in the African community, confused enough to allow the media to manipulate them to such an extent that they're willing to totally forget. Forget about the history in terms of the oppression of African people in America, but to think about more broadly, to think about the kind of uh, the kind of uh, 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 oppression, the kind of uh, racial hostility that the Azov Battalion represents. As an African person, it seems to me that's it's a no-brainer. You won't be part of anything like that uh, uh, in terms of given his, his, his devious history, his very horrifying history in terms of desire, in terms of eradicating people, quote unquote, who are not. Uh, 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 blonde, blonde hand, blue eye. So clearly, to me, brother Africa, um, I think Malcolm is absolutely correct. Um, you know that that is that is a major contradiction, uh, and I do understand the power of the media to dissuade minds. And in fact, uh, we have uh, we have a situation where, uh, you know, uh, uh, not only can they 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 can they can determine uh, you know um, determine what you think, they can actually they can they can determine how you think. And so it's very, very problematic for many, many reasons, but it's clearly, you know, in just in terms of the history, I'm hard-pressed to even understand why any African, irrespective of their level of consciousness, would want to go to Ukraine to engage in that fight without asking the question, why is this going on in the first place? And I'll close with that. Thank you, Brother Hakeem. Brother Anthony, your response, please. Yes. Um, they, uh, uh, Malcolm is correct. And uh, the the media does have the uh, the, the the ability uh, to make you uh, hate your friends and love your enemies, and uh, that's a dangerous power to have. And the imperialist media uh, has it today, 
and uh, and and that's just as true today as it was when Malcolm X um, made that observation uh, 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 over half a century ago. Uh, and uh, Africans need to, uh, you know, uh, need to study and observe. In whose whose interests are, are we really serving? Are we making it easier uh, for imperialists to intervene further in Africa than they already have? By uh, by uh, uh, you know. Uh, you know, uh, you, you, you know, fighting Europe's battles for them. Uh, we have a history of doing that, and uh, it has not served our interests whatsoever. As a matter of fact, when the Nazis were first formed, Quietus has kept one of the first victims were the uh, descendants of those uh, African soldiers that fought on the side of France uh, in World War I. Their descendants were among the first victims of uh, Nazism, not the Europeans. And uh, this is something that we have to keep in mind. And uh, let's see... uh, there's a heavy Nazi presence in the present government of the Ukraine. And, um, you know, uh, we wish uh, victory to the Ukrainian people, to the Russian people as well. And not to, and uh, this war is being fought in the interests of the bourgeoisie in both countries, as well as the U.S., and other imperialist countries of the world. Thank you, Brother Anthony. Sister Eleanor, talk to us. What's your thoughts on this, Sister Eleanor? Well, uh, yes, the the, uh, Ukraine has been recruiting foreign mercenaries. It would be absurd for any African person, any black person, to engage in this civil war. You know, we must not forget just a couple of years ago, Poland itself wanted to reject all refugees from Africa, from Afghanistan. It just seemed to be the color of your skin. If you were Asian or African, they offered to pay money to have them relocated somewhere else. I hope we haven't forgotten And we have to know that, as Malcolm said and Kwame Ture said, you know, we got to know who to stand by. Now, if you're going to go fight with mercenaries who are racist, what what will happen to you? What's wrong? And we must remember that the Russians, the Russians played such a big role in fighting back the Nazis in World War II, and I understand that millions of Russians died in that fight. We must look at our history, and we can't just do anything for money. So no, that's, we don't need to be engaged 
in the war in the Ukraine. And as Brother Anthony said, I hope for end and victory to the Russian and both Ukrainian people. The people deserve liberation. And the refugees from the Ukraine have been welcomed into Poland, except for the Africans trying to leave the Ukraine who were studying there. A week or so ago, several international uh, civil rights attorneys had to file action because of the discrimination they were facing in trying to exit the Ukraine. And as uh, white-skinned Ukrainians go to Poland and Germany, they're being welcomed. There are even some backwoods people that are urging for special legislation to move the Ukrainians here. What's happened to diplomacy? Let's get that on the table. But no, Brother Africa, no, no Africans should be fighting in the Ukraine. No foreign soldiers should go to the Ukraine. We need to not escalate this war, but we need to help there be some type of diplomatic solution to the problem. And as Brother Anthony said, there's a puppet government that was established in 2014. The Ukrainian people had had an election They elected a Russian president, and there was a strike by the oligarchy. Am I saying it wrong? The the super rich, and he was gone. And there is, one of the features of the Ukraine is this Nazism. And we really don't need to encourage fascism. We see it rising this ugly head when we elected Donald Trump. And we see the 70 million Trump followers. So, Brother Africa, no scenarios in the Ukraine. Well, we are here, Sister Eleanor Position. What's your Brother Moses? Talk to us. Yeah, we can't. Um, we can't do anything uh, in terms of intervening in, in this this civil uh, dispute that was the territorial boundaries of of uh, Ukraine and Russia as being one people. Uh, um, it's, uh, sometimes the cure looks worse than the disease, though. I tell you, um, um, uh, I, I don't, I, if I was in that position, I, I, I would think uh, I, I would be a hard decision to make uh, to continue that to bombard them with this these weapons of destruction uh and uh, hope to submit them to Russian territory, I don't know. But anyway, uh, uh we the US has to stay out of it. NATO has to stay out of it. We need to disband NATO, um its purpose has been served, uh um it's only uh um so that's that's basically it. Uh, we don't need to be there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. This is Africa on the Move. I'm your host, Brother Africa. We're going to make a quick transition. 
to our theme tonight, which is Black Degenerate Report Speaks on the Wall. We yeah, highlight some articles that recently came out um the Black Agenda Report that I think is relative to what's going on today. And we're going to discuss these articles, but one of the first articles we're going to discuss was the articles that were written out of, it was written out of the Ghana web, which really has a lot of implications that were stated in this article that I think we need to know well about. We'd like to talk a little bit about that when we come back to our break. The title is Why Ghana and West Africa Have Fallen into NATO's Deadly Trap. There's very many possibilities and scenarios. I think it will be of interest. We will talk about that article when we come back and speak to that thing again, which is a Black Agenda Report speaks on wall when we return. Let's take a rough to a culture break and we'll be back discussing important articles and issues that are affecting our community. This is Africa on the Moon. Oh, 
transition right now as we begin to look at our theme tonight. Black Agenda Report speaks on war in the context of the theme that was the interest article. Uh, if you get a chance, go to um go on the web and type in why Ghana and West Africa have fallen to NATO deathly trap. It's an really interesting article. It, it, one of the things it does, I think, that is significant is it, it connects many dots on a global basis of how all of these issues are connected and who are the real chess players behind these moves that are being made in this world for domination of other people's land, labor, and resources. In this article, Brother Haki, we start out with you and your assessment. When you read this article, what were some of the major features or points that came out of this article that our people should pay attention to? I find it very fascinating in terms of how the article was written by this, by this um, individual who sent in his op-ed. So from this article, Brother Haki, he talked about many issues, particularly this question of how the enemy use different tactics and strategy and different formations and names of people to cover, to cover the interests of controlling and dominating nations of the world. Give me your take on this article, Brother Hackey. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, often, often uh, there's an old saying, you know, uh, it's, it's, a game of, it's a game of chess, not checkers. And it's important to understand, and we talk about in terms of U.S. geopolitics, we got to understand the role of chess. And so when you talk about the level of creativity, the level of deception, of clever deception utilized in terms of misdirection, then you get some idea in terms of, you know, how this game manifests itself. And when you think about the ability of these Western states to go to countries like Ghana or to West African states, and to pitch the idea that I want you to be involved in, uh, in, in, this, in, this, in, this, in this war because we want to fight these terrorists. It's very, very interesting when they keep on, you know, raising the specter of terrorism. But, of course, the history is very, very clear when we talk about the specter of terrorism. We understand precisely 
who facilitates, who organizes, who finances terrorism. It's always the West, in particular the United States and the UK. So, so when we talk about this, this repentance in terms of you know organizing, you know, you know, you know, terror campaigns, uh, and we understand the U.S. and U.K.'s role in organizing that terror, uh, it's very interesting that it, they, despite that, that they still go to these African states and say, "Listen, we want you to enlist in fighting these terrorists." So it seems to me that you know, either there's a tremendous amount of uh, confusion with respect to African leaders in terms of understanding clearly the history in terms of U.S. involvement, in terms of complicity, in terms of creating these organizations like Al-Qaeda, uh, ISIS, and so forth and so on, or uh, the, 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 um, the, the, the people really believe that, in fact, the African leaders really believe, in fact, that they're actually fighting terrorism, quote-unquote terrorism. So clearly one of the things, I think, first and foremost, you have to acknowledge that when you talk about this in terms of this, this fight of uh, fight against terrorism, it's very, very interesting because what the thing the article raises, raises is that when you when you talk about this fight in terms of terrorism, then you got to understand that how is it you can take a situation where so-called terrorists, you know, out of originally out of Libya, who currently who, who who went into Mali to fight against the established government for the sole purpose of establishing an independent state, and you got these same elements in Syria fighting against the Syrian government in terms of trying to uh, overthrow uh, Bashir. Um, um, so so it's, um, so it's very very interesting in terms of the the, the, the labeling of these individuals. In Libya, these same terrorists who are carrying out these mass atrocities against the citizenry, they are freedom fighters. They are liberation. They're, they're, they're to liberate the, the, the country. But in, in but in, uh, in 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 Syria, they are terrorists. Uh, you know, they are discriminating the earth. Uh, they should be fought against. But it's ironic that when we talk about what you talk about, so-called terrorists in Libya, so-called terrorists in Syria, they're all financed and and, and financed. And, uh, uh, and and propped up by Western states, in particular the United States and the UK. And so, how do you do that? But the magic is that, the, in terms of the power of the media, to be able to tell people to create the scenario in the minds of people, and what people actually believe these scenarios, and not to be able to discern what's real from what's fake. So clearly, uh, you know, I think with the, with the brother, the brother pieces. I mean, he's, he's very very clear that there's a certain amount of um, a certain amount of uh, cognitive dissonance. In terms of the ability of, of so many to be tricked, you know, on a mass scale, and the mere fact when you, when you start talking about um, military intervention, and uh, when you talk about these huge expenditures coming from the West, in particular to, to, to prop up these African states for the purpose of fighting terrorism, then when you look at in terms of expenditures as it relates to infrastructure repair, building infrastructure, uh, social services for the needs of the people. Education in terms of expanding universities, uh, schools, and universities in, in these states, there's nowhere to be found. So there's no, there's no money allocated for for that which builds up Africa, but all in the money in the world for that which destroys Africa. So the thing we have to begin to understand is that when we talk about Africa being destabilized, I think it's important that African leaders understand that when you participate in that process, you know, unwittingly, or uh, under the guise that somehow that you're fighting terrorism. Understand that you're complicit in terms of destabilizing African states. And so when you send somebody from Ghana to fight in Mali, somebody from Kenya to fight in Somalia or wherever, then what you're doing is you're contributing to the destabilization of another African state, which in the final analysis is in, is, is, is in, uh, in opposition to your own self-interest. So African leaders have to begin to understand that you're all in this together. 
and that in, in, in being together, then you can formulate some kind of strategy in terms of your response, in terms of how you're going to deal with that. And, and more importantly, Brother Africa, when you think about in terms of the, the large number of U.S. military troops in Af- on Africa, the large number of bases established in Africa, when you, under, when you in, in understanding that, we're very clear that these, these bases do not, these military personnel do not serve the interests of Africa. And certainly one of the problems that, aside from destabilizing the African continent, or destabilizing particular African states, the much broader problem is that, you know, uh, how are you going to get them out once they're there? That is another question. And so, therefore, African leaders have to think very, very clearly in terms of their you know, propensity to desire to continue to go along with these, these narratives established by the West, knowing full well these narratives always, always lead to the destruction or the detriment of African states or the African continent generally. So clearly, Brother Africa, I think that uh, the, 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 the dichotomy that he raises around, you know, what USA and what U.S. does, I think is very, very important in terms of people begin to understand, you know, to, to not focus so much on what they say, but to focus on more what they do. And so this, 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 this creation of terrorism, uh, you know, uh, that's rampant throughout, throughout the continent uh, is, 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 is merely a source uh, to de- destabilize the entire African continent, ultimately making it easier for Western states to recolonize Africa. And that's what this is all about. It's important that African leaders understand that fully. Thank you, Brother Aki. Sister Eleanor, when you read this article, one of the things you show was the issue of how sophisticated the West will use creation of terrorist group to fight against you with the hope that you'll come back to them in terms of, i.e., need some support militarily, like they said it did in uh, Mali. So the game has been playing to find ways to continue to recolonize Africa continues. Your take on this article, Sister Eleanor. Um, the article, uh, the article was very informative. The destabilization, the murder of, uh, uh, the killing, I'm sorry, of uh, Gaddafi, in itself destabilized Africa. Uh, Gaddafi was uh, a revolutionary and uh, uh, protected his people. Look at Libya today. It's three separate groups struggling and fighting, and they were the ones that actually voted to support NATO's action against the Ukraine. So this article talked about NATO and the role that it played in Afghanistan in the development of uh, al-Qaeda and other organizations, Brother Africa. So what we see right now um, and what this article brought to mind to me was that what we see right now happening in Europe where these governments right now, this isn't the uh, Ukraine of 2014 or uh, the, the Europe of the 1990s, we see the European nations being armed with weapons and technology uh, from space on the ground in every way. We see uh, uh, the neo-colonialist leaders 
being picked off one by one. We saw that when you when the Afghans were fighting the Russians, we were financing it, and they were heroes. Now we keep financing uh, Africa. We're undermining Africa. We're not giving anything to Africa, and these. Like Osama bin Laden was considered an asset in this article at one time. It's it's hard to believe. And they they talked about the jihad and how it was used as a tool to undermine certain governments in Africa and Asia. And it just makes me think that while this war is going on in the Ukraine, We have Israel occupying the Golan Heights in Syria, and the U.S. is there, and they're moving on the oil fields of Syria. We see that Algeria, which has a pipeline to Spain for for gas, is being ignored and underutilized strategy. Once NATO empowers these nations in Europe that have not had these type of military weapons or been militarized since World War II. We in Africa will be the next enemy. Already the U.S. considers uh, the people in Mogadishu and Somalia to be our enemy. So on February 22nd, we were doing drone strikes. The article talked about drone strikes. It also talked about surveillance and how we have other tools for surveillance uh, in, by satellite and other tools. So uh, we see from this and the Arabian Peninsula um, having all these sanctions against Yemen, who depends 90% of its food and other materials come. We see these as weapons of murder. These sanctions are another way of killing the people. It's about uh, what happened in Tunisia and uh, also in Egypt and the Ottoman Turks empires have been and or are being uh, conquered again today by Euro-American NATO forces as they build their new world order. And we look at the role Turkey is playing and, and the impact it's having on the Armenian people. When ancient Armenia was divided, part of it has been a former uh, Soviet country and another part of Armenia is in Turkey. So we see that there is a new global order. Syria, we have to stand in solidarity with Syria. Why are the Israelis bombing? And how can they continue to occupy Syria's Golan Heights is beyond me. And the bombing is going on right now while the war in the Ukraine, all this escalation is happening simultaneously but we're only focusing on the atrocity in the Ukraine. So we need to pay attention. And Ghana is on the gold exchange. 
So we understand the article talked about Ghana's goal, outline each country and the resources that it has and or has. And uh, uh, you, you, we, we remember the Marshall Plan. And, it, and the article said, if Syria falls, start preparing for more and more full-scale World War III. Um, and uh, that, that's it, Brother Africa. It seems to be uh, a organized effort. So, again, we must dismantle Syria. We must demand that all weapon shipments going to NATO countries today, March 20th, 2022, stop. That the U.S., that we have a moratorium on the militarization of Europe through NATO today. Thank, Thank you, you Brother, Brother Noah. Brother Moses, talk to me. What's your take on this article, Brother Moses? Okay, I, I read three articles, uh, but I don't remember that article uh, uh, specifically. Uh, um, okay, that's your problem. Let's see if we can give Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, based on what you heard so far, discussion and comments you would like to make? Uh, yes. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Africa has to unite, and I think there are, and I think Pan Africanism can only be, be built from the bottom up. It cannot be built by the do, uh, by the by the top down because uh, the political leadership in Africa is too corrupt. Uh, and I, I would say that much. That's why they don't see uh, uh, what's going on because a lot of the a lot of the political leadership in Africa and in the diaspora, for that matter, uh, you know, cannot see uh, cannot see past today, and uh, they're only looking after their own interests and resources. They don't care about the masses of African people. That is why Pan-Africanism has to be built from the bottom up. Uh, the top-down approach uh, uh, has uh, has not worked, and uh, and uh, will not work uh, because of the corruption of uh, by neo-colonial domination of the current leadership. Uh, in Africa and in the diaspora, and also uh, in terms of uh, you know uh, uh, you know sanctions are a form of warfare, and I think that's something that people have to bear in mind. Sanctions are a form of warfare, uh, you know, uh, and. Uh, and their extraterritorial nature uh, makes them even more dangerous. And uh, that's a threat that, uh, that, uh, that imperialists use uh, to beat neocolonial states over the head into submission. You know, Brother Anthony, to my panelists today in this audience, you talk about sanctions as being a form of a welfare 
also welfare can be viewed or can be uh, uh, identified through how one uses a budget, a national budget, and how it prioritizes its resources and decisions. I'm saying all of this because you have to continue to ask yourself, when you look at Western countries, i.e. particularly the U.S., they all claim that they are in debt. They have no money for anything when it comes to involving the people internally, socially. You're talking about this question of domestic policy. But when issues come about that they're not being thought of, i.e., and they have to encounter these issues, they seem to come up with billions of dollars, no matter what it takes, money comes available. What does that say to a people that a government will function on in a manner, in that manner, Brother Aki? We have no money for you, but when something comes up, money is created some kind of way. How do they continue to do that, Brother Aki? It's, yeah, it's a, Brother Africa, it's a, it's a real irony. Uh, it really is. Uh, I, but I think the, the, the good news is I think overwhelming number of the people in America understand the hypocrisy. They understand on the one hand, you could talk about you have no money for housing, you don't have money for education, no, 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 no money for jobs, but you have, you have endless number of billions and billions of dollars for, for war. And so I think they're beginning to see the, the irony. I think also with that, I think it's a beginning to, there's, there's a, a growing understanding you know, that there is a small minority of individuals in society enjoy the wealth of the society. And so we, inevitably when you talk about war, you talk about a bit of profiteering. So the small number of people, and I'm, I'm including those in the Congress, who are making lots and lots of money at the, you know, by, by, you know, by war. And so it, war itself is, you're right, brother, after war itself is, a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is not, it's an enterprise. Uh, there's much money to be made from this. But more importantly, I think, and this is the more insidious aspect, perhaps the more um, the more um, metaphysical explanation in terms of this propensity in terms of uh, you know war, is that you got to understand that in terms of how the society is organized, when you talk about in terms of the control of central banks and the people who have control over the central banks, you talk about a really small number of people who have power throughout the world. And of course, one of the things in terms of maintaining that kind of wealth, uh, it, 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 it comes in a situation where, in order to 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 maintain the wealth, you have to resort to any kind anything in terms of uh, uh, any type of strategy that would enable you to keep that wealth. So in that context, uh, you know, um, no strategy is too diabolical, no strategy is too destructive, no strategy is too in, in, in name uh, to be carried out. Because we talk about a very relative small number of people who owe, control the world's resources, so therefore they have a vested interest in utilizing all kind of ruthlessness for the sole purpose in terms of maintaining domination. And certainly, one of the ways in which you maintain the ruthlessness is through war. And, and but it's good that people are beginning to understand, you know, that why like less than one percent of the population, or, or one fifth of one percent of the population, enjoy the fruits of of, 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 of military engagement. The bottom line is that every time they prosper, the masses of people become poorer and poorer and poorer, more and more disenchanted in terms of where the system goes, which means that because people become increasingly disenchanted with things going in society, uh, one thing we have to understand, and when we talk about the role of media, one of the things they have to do, they have to pit people against one another across uh, uh, ethnic lines, across class lines, even across gender lines. 
So they understand that it's all part of a grand strategy. So, you know, the war, but in terms of wars, the wars will definitely persist. The wars are not going to go anywhere because it's simply too profitable. There's too much money to be made. And when you think back when they left uh, 10, about, about $10 billion worth of equipment in Afghanistan, um, when, they asked, when they asked the question, the military officials, are you concerned about all that equipment that being left in Afghanistan? Well, of course. Well, no, they, they, the answer was, no, no, we're not concerned about the equipment being left in, in Afghanistan. Even if they learn to use that technology, even if they uh, reverse engineer the, the, the technology, uh, it doesn't mean anything because by that point, you know, we're innovating other different technologies. So, you know, we're, you know, in other words, the bottom line is that the money will continue to flow. So we're not concerned about those tens of billions of dollars of equipment that's left in Afghanistan. Uh, so, so clearly, brother, after you're absolutely right, the, uh, the 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 concern for the masses of people in terms of you know uh, in terms of war expenditures uh, is very clear that there is no concern for the uh, for the masses of people in the society. But it's good that at least people are beginning to understand the reality in terms of how things are organized. And let's move on to a real interesting article in the Wind and Black Agenda report on the 16th of March, 2022, titles "Sanction Anyone." Imperialist contradiction or the unintended consequence of involuntary decolonization. I think the simple thing from this article is many times when one tries to destroy a nation through sanctions, it creates other kind of resorts that may be favorable and positive of a people development as a consequence to these um Acts of war, as we talk about, in a form of sanctions. So, Sister Eleanor, start us off with it. When you read this article, what impact sanctions may or may not have on Russia? How they may uh, even maybe come on the positive side, based upon this whole question of the history of sanctions and countries refuse to give give in to them, many times they become even more crazy. So, what should take from this article, Sister Eleanor? An act of war. Um, sanctions are an act of war, and they cause human suffering and death when countries depend on imports of medical aid, food, and other resources. You know, Brother Africa, I just wanted to backtrack just for a moment and to the last article where the, where it says the USA. Uh, NATO, led by the USA, has been manipulating events in Africa since the early uh, region has seen the worst in death and human misery since World War II. Um, uh, the, the suffering has been incurred there. Makes Rwanda, it says, genocide seem minor in comparison and it talks about uh, southern Sudan or the uh, Sudan being divided. But, Brother Africa, sanctions in themselves are an attack on the people, an attack on civilian populations. And we've seen the impact that sanctions have had on Cuba, Venezuela, and other nations. It's a form of of pirate. The, the article talked about it being a type of looting because when these sanctions are put in place, the resources and the things that these countries were 
expecting delivery for or paid for are taken. And those monies aren't returned to the nation. They don't do anything for humanitarian good. It's almost like modern-day piracy. So, you know, I I have to tell you, I learned so much from uh, uh, that article and uh, uh, what a role, why it's to the economic benefits when they talked about all these IKEA pulling out of Russia. But you know what really these sanctions do? Like right now when Starbucks pulls out, um, 15,000 workers in Moscow lost their jobs. So it's an attack on the people. This, this, is, this is economic warfare. And so you leave people unemployed. Uh, you lead nations seeking resources, and you create chaos. You're creating chaos within the Soviet Union while you're pumping up these NATO countries. But, you know, the, Brother Africa, one thing about the sanctions, it, it's important to know that the reverse of the sanctions, the 180 degrees, is NATO's buildup right now, and the U.S. and the E.U., is assuming that they have the power to control these new NATO nations, and they don't realize these are young nations. When I say young nations, they're young people. You know, the Ukraine, if you notice, you see millions and millions of young people in a, in a nation where they did not appear to have the poverty that you see in the U.S. These people... Zelensky has ambitions of his own far beyond those of the U.S. Biden is on his way to Saudi Arabia when he should be working with the Algerians and getting the uh, Algerian to Spain pipeline beefed up. You know, this is uh, an atrocity, and I'll leave it at that. I'd like to make a comment at the end concerning the article, but uh, it's, a, it's a type of economic warfare. Okay, Brother Haki, when you read this article, yeah, I do agree with the sister, um, the sanctions um, acts, uh, no, mm-hmm. nothing more than they act like sanctions. Not only do they make it difficult to your economic activity, but, but I think you made a really interesting point. Or a lot of how they take the country's assets that may be located in other countries. And this is another form of thievery. But, Brother, how can you take from this article? Well, I, I think one of the things you can understand that, you know, even though the media give us the impression that uh, sanctions are, are, they actually work in terms of achieving the desired objective, the bottom line is that. When you talk about states like Russia or China, uh, you know, uh, well-developed, well with a well-developed infrastructure, the bottom line is to the extent that those sanctions have an impact, it, she, she's right, it impacts the people. But it doesn't mean that the problem, it doesn't mean that the problem that the people are confronted with is intractable. Uh, given the infrastructure that, that, uh, that the Cuban, I mean, China and Russia uh, have, uh, all it means is that the United States has forced Russia and China, or particularly in this case, has forced Russia into a position where it has a more adequately uh, create innovative system 
to ensure that the issues around jobs, issues around uh, issues around uh, um, housing, issues around schooling, those kind of things, uh, becomes priority for the state. So historically, what happens is that when you talk about some relationship between you know places like Russia and the United States, you talk about these these uh, these these relationships in terms of trade, and so you talk about these investments that that cross borders, and so there's a tendency to rely on those investments, those trades, in terms of getting things done. Now, when you when you eliminate investment in trade, but from the United States into Russia, it means Russia has to become much more self-assertive, has to be much more. Uh, Driven to do to do to 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 to, to resolve those issues in terms of uh, the problems that people face uh, on its own. So that's not a bad thing at all. And so in that context, in that context, you got to understand these sanctions are self-defeating. Because in, in addition to that, you had to also think. You know, one of the things that here recently they're talking about that 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 Russia Russia has to pay 117 million dollars uh, from uh, from bonds from bond sales that it uh, authorized. And the thing is that Russia prompt, Russia stated that they wanted to to sell those, sell those, you know, to to honor those bonds, to pay those interest payments. Uh, you're using the ruble, uh, which is, comes to 117 million, uh, uh, equivalent of 117 million dollars worth in terms of value. Well, unfortunately, the United States, in terms of his uh, credit agency Fitch, position was that you cannot pay in ruble; it has to be in dollars. So the intent is to to undermine Russia's economy by making it impossible to pay his debt. In that case, it causing Russia to default. But here's the problem: Russia can still default, but it's, and it's not the first time Russia defaulted. They defaulted back in 1998. So even if Russia default, it's not going to bring Russia to its knees. That is the thing. So when people think that when people think U.S. sanctions are so effective, they're not effective against larger larger countries, countries like Russia and China. That a relatively little effect to the extent that there is an impact when we on the people, it doesn't it doesn't negate Russia's Russia's ability in terms of getting things done in society. And this is what we understand. And also equally important is that we understand that when we talk about U.S. investing in, in in places like Russia, keep in mind, Russia can simply assume those assets belong to capitalists in the United States. Russia now can assume ownership of those of those assets. On one hand, where they're trying to undermine Russia's economy, Russia's position is that okay, then we'll take these assets and we'll we'll come we'll pay ourselves you know, for what you're doing that's illegal. Of course, keep in mind that these 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 sanctions are illegal. It's an act of war. So 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 the bottom line is that this this this, this, this when media attempts to betray these sanctions, particularly these United States sanctions, as powerful that they achieve the objectives is bullshit. They don't achieve the objectives. And so the only way they're effective when you talk about a poor, disorganized society, it's all the time these sanctions are effective. But Russia has the opportunity, I mean, just in terms of currency exchange, they, they don't have, you know, they got, the, they, they got the currency of ruble. Even if they don't use a ruble, they always can invest in trade in terms of digital currencies or use Chinese currency in terms of conducting trade. So what impact would sanctions have in terms of achieving a desired impact that the United States want to do, namely to bring Russia to its knees. It's all a game. And this is why it's important people understand the economics of all this crap because the whole thing is that they're, they're pre- everything is predicated on the notion that most Americans don't know anything about economics, so they can tell you anything and you swallow that. So most people do believe that these sanctions are all powerful. When the U.S. implements sanctions, it's going to bring countries to their knees. It, it's not true. It doesn't work. 
not for countries like not for countries like uh, China and Russia, even little countries like El Salvador in terms of adopting the uh, the um, the, um, the cryptocurrencies. Uh, the U.S. is in such disarray because now that El Salvador decided to invest in, 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 in cryptocurrency, the U.S. has no control whatsoever in terms of influencing El Salvador's trade or how it finances, you know, its internal affairs. And that's causing great distress among uh, American leaders who are now talking about they want to somehow militarily intervene in El Salvador for the purpose of making sure that El Salvador officials uh, put an end to investment in uh, cryptocurrency. So clearly, Brother Africa, this question about, you know, about, 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 about sanctions and being effective, a lot of times these sanctions are counterproductive, particularly a more powerful state. They become counterproductive, and they actually end up achieving the, the, the effect that they didn't want, namely to draw China, Russia and China closer together to make it possible in terms of the currency, uh, currency that will replace the dollar in terms of the world's currency, which means that, uh, you know, which means it undermines the U.S. economy which means that Western imperialism is on decline. So clearly these intended sanctions are counterproductive, and that's very, very clear. Brother Anthony, when we talk about unintended consequences of involuntary decolonization, many times, like, you know, when we talk about Cuba and the impact of the blockade, many of them will even tell you as a result of it, they're forcing to be more creative and self-sufficient. What are some of the good that may come from these so-called sanctions, according to this article, Brother Anthony? Well, uh, it, it, it depends upon how the infrastructure and the economy that are subject to these sanctions are, uh, are organized. And uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, the underlying assumptions behind uh, sanctions is that uh, is that one immediate act, uh, uh, effect of sanctions is that countries that are subject to them cannot get U.S. made products anymore. Now, for uh, for for very poor and poorly organized uh you know countries that could uh that could have a de- a, a devastating impact but for those countries that can come up with alternatives uh you know they could write that process out and also it depends upon how well people are prepared for warfare. Mm-hmm. Now, a country like Cuba, uh, which uh, embarked on the so- socialist path uh, with its uh, revolution in 1959, one of the first things they did was embark upon a literacy campaign to stamp out illiteracy. And, uh, and as a result, uh, Cuba is about uh, 98 or 99% literate. It's not 100%. I mean, it's, uh, you, you know, for various reasons, you can't get to 100% literacy, but you can minimize the literacy. 
that was one of their accomplishments, uh, uh, you know, during their revolutionary process. And also, be, uh, and once they uh, they have uh, they had a literate population, they could uh, embark upon creative ways of coming up with alternatives to what they used to get from the U.S. So uh, sanctions can backfire in some ways, uh, and uh, you know, and uh, and the, uh, the 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 silver lining in that is that it forces uh, countries to come up with alternatives. But uh, but this goes to show the importance of Pan-Africanism. Because a lot of uh, a lot of countries in Africa are uh, are, are, are weak and, uh, and and politically and economically unviable. But if uh, if Africa organized and united, then that 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 U.S. sanctions wouldn't matter as much because they could that they could do. Uh, they could do their trading with someone else. You know, panelists, I think one of the central idea for this article or issue is the idea that there's assumption by the West, made by US US, that country cannot survive without their products, without their services. Our response to that, we had history shown up to this point. Your response, Brother Moses, stop with you. Can the world survive out your product for services, Brother Moses? What do you think? While you're waiting for Brother Moses, Brother Hackey, we'll come back to you for a circle. Your response to that question. Brother Africa, what is the world going to do with our Kentucky Fried Chicken? What are they going to do if they don't have access to Pepsi-Cola? I mean, what are they going to do if they don't have the uh, the, the latest, uh, uh, the, the latest uh, uh, Wonder Bread? I mean, what are they going to do? I mean, brother, that's, that's so absurd. But you're right, brother, after this. The assumption is that, that the world can't do without U.S. US, uh, US, um, US product. And you know what's sad about this? About this? That to the extent that countries around the world embrace American products, those countries tend to be less healthier than countries that are more traditional in terms of the allocation of things, particularly like food. So clearly, Brother Africa, uh, you know, this assumption that people can do without uh, without American products, actually it's a good thing if people didn't have American products and they had dependent on themselves in terms of producing those things that their population needs in terms of survival. Uh, one of the things, uh, they'll certainly be more healthier. Certainly it would be a, a big improvement to the, the economy if they were sustained that kind of practice, uh, but clearly this notion that uh, people that countries can't do without American products, you know, this is just a kind of hubris that exists in terms of you know American propaganda. This notion that you know if it comes from America is better than anything else, and like I said, there are those states who actually um, buy into that uh, that kind of propaganda, but for those who don't buy into the propaganda, they understand that you know uh, you know bread is bread, you know um, you know um, so a soft drink is a soft drink. Uh, you know, and so putting a name on it doesn't make it unique. Uh, so clearly, this notion that U.S. products are exceptional and people got to have them 
it's so ridiculous. But again, you know, that is the power of propaganda. And to the extent that they can convince people that that is the situation, that is that is reality, uh, people would go, people would actually go with that. But clearly, you know, it's, it's ridiculous, Brother Africa. Brother Anthony, can the words of our yes. U.S. products and services? Oh, well, actually, um, why this is kept, Africa prior to the 20th century was a food exporter. And uh, so, 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 so the thing about it, though, I mean, uh, uh, those, particularly those Africans that, uh, you know, that, that, that lived in the, uh, in the rural areas that didn't have access to U.S.-made products in the first place generally, they would, they would adapt well. It might take some time, but they would adapt okay. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, so I think, uh, you know, and, and the thing about it, though, I mean, uh, instead of, uh, you know, using, uh, using land for things like uh, uh, mining uh, minerals and whatnot, more of the land could be used for growing food. So, uh, so, 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 so in a way, actually uh, cutting dependence upon imperialist countries led by the U.S. for for food products would be uh, would in a way be, 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 be might might be end up being a positive development for Africa. Sister Eleanor, Sister Eleanor, can give you that take on this article. Well, Brother Africa, you know, um, as the article said, uh, the uh, Euro-American assumption is that no one can do without Euro-American goods and services because uh, the U.S., as it repeats, uh, is never shy of claiming that the United States uh, goods and services it provides is uh, on the order of a necessity. Now, in some ways, in some nations, as it is, when the U.S. withholds medical supplies that may be produced in India but somehow are owned by U.S. imperialists, one thing I found very interesting was that uh, the premise that they're operating under has always been essential and instinctive construct of uh, colonial ideological ideological, let me just spell it I-D-E-O-L-O-G-Y that insofar as colonial powers have always claimed to be indispensable in, in the colony in its functioning we all but plundered the former U.S., the Soviet Union in the 1990s and empowered former Soviet uh, nations with NATO, having them join NATO. And now we're arming them as a part of building this new world order. But the reality is that um, this premise in claiming that uh, Nations like Russia would most likely fail without its uh, Euro 
American support is only that the economies of the globe are in a mix. So thousands of workers in Russia don't have jobs anymore because, as Brother Heike said, the Kentucky Fried Chicken is gone. Uh, People working in the canneries don't have jobs anymore because they can't make Pepsi. But I found it interesting this week that didn't want to pull out. But uh, it's having an economic impact on the Soviet Union, uh, especially while the Soviet Union was addressing a uh, what what seemed like was a civil skirmish has turned into a full-fledged war with thousands of people dying in a matter of weeks. It's become such a distraction. We can't look at the nearly million of Yemen's who have died. So, Brother Africa, this is just an imperialist view. Uh, They just figure that uh, uh, the ideological belief is that the uh, colonial powers are indispensable to the lesser countries, to the colonies' function is uh, not only self self is really just erroneous, but uh, also acts as a cover for the fact that the people are the ones that are indispensable to the functioning of a country, colonized or not. In the same way, uh, the capitalists believe that uh, they're indispensable to the production of their resources when the fact that the workers are the ones making the factories production, not the capitalists. So the question is, if all of these corporations have pulled out, they have assets, including uh, means of production, whether it's at the Coke Pepsi cannery or the Starbucks or the McDonald's or the Ikea, what happens? Do they let it become like a rust belt like the U.S. did in the 80s when it pulled out of the steel industry? I think Russia is much more creative and resilient. And those properties and those resources should be annexed. And the goal is how will Russia mobilize the workforce that has suddenly lost jobs? And what will Russia do to help combat the media propaganda uh, that we see, the bombardment of thousands of articles? The first week, there were over 3,000 articles published about the Ukraine, and they're all favorable. When Ukrainians throw Molotov cocktails, they're heroes fighting for liberation. When a Yemeni person goes to find food or water, they're a target for U.S. weapons used by the Saudi Arabian military. So there are a lot of contradictions out here. But I think Russia, being the largest country in terms of land mass, um, will be hard to bring down by the imperialists. 
And it's only, it is the imperialist idea, the Euro-American concept, and NATO led by the Americans that believe that they're indispensable, but they're not. Moreover, NATO led by the Americans are giving weapons to people in Europe that they do not control under the assumption that these people are aligned with the U.S. and Euro-imperialists because they were former Soviet bloc countries. So this is a, a very bad situation right now, Brother Africa. And uh, as the article said, beyond the absolute plundering of Russia and this neo colonization throughout the 90s, the set of sanctions imposed on Russia today is a continuation of the U.S.-Euro axis of domination. This strategy is uh, based on the notion that there is no conceivable way Russia will survive economically, socially, politically, uh, uh, survive and political independence of the United States and the European Union, of course, will send Russia into financial and economic ruin. But we, but the article asserts that beyond these rationales, these beliefs are entertained because of the imperialist. Outlook, imperialism is an ideological outlook. Thank you, Sister Eleanor, for your treat. At this particular time, what we're going to do is go to a quick break. When we come back, we'll make our transition to another article from Ba, as it stated that the U.S. sanctions on Russia over Ukraine also target Venezuela, Nicaragua, and Cuba. We talk about the chessboard. Today, we were discussing about that issue when we come back from Africa on the moon. If you think of the Middle East in this modern time, you can't help but say the word Palestine. People there have lost their land, some have lost their home. They live in other countries, their freedom almost gone. Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine. Needs her freedom. Needs freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love. Needs there seems to be no answer to give us the reason why people cannot live so no one has to die. We've got to take a stand for freedom. Take a stand for truth. Take a stand for justice. 
That's what we've got to do, cause Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Needs Palestine, Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. People of all countries, of every race, and creed we need a new beginning let us plant the seed plant the seed of love and let that love seed grow plant the seed for everyone so all the world will know that palestine needs her freedom Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom, needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. Thank you. We'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the Moon, and we will continue our discussion tonight. Our theme is Black Agenda Report Speaks on Wall. That was the article written on the 22nd of May, where they talk about U.S. sanctions on Russia over Ukraine, also target Venezuela, Nicaragua, and Cuba. Now, one of the things when we talk about these sanctions, we know they must, they are multi-purpose, multi-fascist. There are many uh, aspects to these sanctions, of course. It's a form of warfare. And the question comes, how do you bring about the greatest desire that you are seeking when you decide to apply these sanctions? So to our listening audience, you must not be confused in terms of because one target one country doesn't mean part of its strategy may be also to undermine that country and his relationship to other countries. So in terms of looking at this article, Brother Haki, start out with you. Again, we talk about this question of paying chess versus paying chuckle. One of the implications that the West may be hoping is to weaken the relationship between the revolutionary and progressive forces of the day. Just your response from this article, Brother Haki. Uh, hey, Brother Africa, I didn't get that article. Okay. Let's see if we go. Um, Brother Africa, you have a chance to critique the article. Okay, yes. Uh, the one about uh, the U.S. Chank, uh, sanctions on Russia also target, uh, uh, over, also target Venezuela, Nicaragua, and Cuba? That's correct. Okay. Yes. Um actually they um the uh the US has been uh been using sanctions as a weapon uh for several decades now. And uh let's see and um 
And uh, I guess that's to take the place of uh, military intervention into countries' internal affairs. And, uh, you know, and uh, a favorite strategy of uh, of uh, U.S. political figures is to threaten countries with sanctions if they don't uh, 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 toe the line on the U.S. policy. But uh but it uh it 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 only works on uh on small disorganized countries as we discussed earlier countries that have had uh, that have had the time and space to develop their uh their, their economies and infrastructure can withstand those better than uh than uh you know than some of those uh small or poorer countries that are subject to these uh, types of sanctions and uh so I don't think it's gonna you know i don't think in in the long run it's gonna have any more effect on a country like uh a Cuba or Venezuela or Nicaragua that has already experienced sanctions year before, uh, you know, this uh, conflict in the Ukraine came up. Okay, let me see. I get some thoughts. Just I don't know your thoughts on this article. Well, President Biden's top Latin America advisor has admitted that the U.S. sanctions against Russia over the Ukraine intentionally seek seek to hurt Venezuela, Nicaragua, and Cuba as well. Um, Gonzalez, uh, the, this article was originally published in Bolivia. The, the United States imposed a series of harsh sanctions on Russia following Mos- Moscow's recognition of the independence of uh, the Donetsky and I think it's the Lugansky People's Republic in the U- Eastern Ukraine. That's where this conflict was. It wasn't going to be this war that NATO is caused and responsible for promoting. Um, if, if our listeners would look up the people, D-O-N-E-T-S-K, uh, People's Republic of the Ukraine, and the second is L-U-G-A-N-S-K, People's Republic of the Ukraine. The Ukraine is established as a federation, similar to the way the U.S. is a republic, but with the federation, they have autonomy as individual nations. And Russia was addressing that issue on February 21. And what the U.S. is doing with Venezuela, Nicaragua, and Cuba, they want to harm these countries because they have socialist governments that Washington has long tried to overthrow. All three currently suffer under unilateral U.S. sanctions, which are illegal according to international law. Um, U.S. National Security Advisor John Bolton, an architect of the Iraqi War, referred to these three Latin American nations as the so-called 
Trovakia of Tyranny. Biden's advisor, Gonzalez, did an exclusive interview down in uh, Bolivia. Um, This propaganda outlet to Voice of America on February 25th, talking about sanctions against Russia uh, are, you know, going to be so robust that they will have an impact on the governments of Venezuela, Cuba, and Nicaragua because of the, as uh, Brother Haiki talks about, because of the impact on the banking structure in the Soviet Union. So Venezuela is going to start feeling pressure. Nicaragua is going to feel the pressure along with Cuba. Uh, He adds, um, simply because of the 13 top financial institutions in Russia, including some of the largest in the country, uh, there have been sanctioned. And, you know, this is, a ty- as we said, is a type of coercion. And Russia, the Russians have invested so much outside of Russia as well as in Russia. Russia seems to be a live and let live country of peace. And according to the article, the people of Venezuela, Cuba, and uh, Nicaragua stand in solidarity with Russia against the U.S., EU, and NATO's axis of domination. So um, there was an in- a beautiful photograph of the Cuban president, Miguel Diaz-Canal, the Nicaraguan president, Daniel Ortega, and others at the ALBA summit in La Havana in December of 2021. And uh, that was um, another, that photo actually was taken on March of 2022. It was published in the Black Agenda Report. So um, they're definitely... The the reality is is that with this new NATO buildup, we are intending, and the imperialists, I, I, I shouldn't say we are, I should say the U.S. is in, imperial, the U.S.-European buildup is under the impression with their ideological beliefs that these smaller countries will fail because they depend on food, so many resources, building materials, um, uh, medicine. Medicine is one way we kill. So with these economic sanctions affecting 13 financial institutions in Russia and will have an impact on Russian allies such as Venezuela, Nicaragua, and Cuba. Now, I believe they'll stand united no matter what. I also believe the people of Honduras may stand up as well, and we may be able to see some changes happening in the Central America, the Caribbean, and South America. All right. Thank you, Susanna Noah, for your take on this article. If you are listening to the audience, check out on Black Agenda Report. 
out of the title, U.S. sanctions on Russia over Ukraine. Also talking Venezuela, Nicaragua, Cuba, and there are many other countries they haven't mentioned, such as Zimbabwe, etc. We already have sanctions against, uh, that's the objective, to weaken the progressive revolutionary forces. Mm-hmm. What we're going to do right now is take a quick break and we'll come back. We're going to have some announcements from Brother Haki and Anthony, and then we'll have our closing remarks for today's program. This is Africa on the Move. Labor Singing Ensemble from North Carolina. We are the cultural arm of worker and civil rights organization Black Workers for Justice. Um, We came in from Raleigh, North Carolina, from Jacksonville, North Carolina, from Durham, um, and we're here because we support and we are part of the labor movement, but also part of the environmental justice movement, too. We are with UE150, the North Carolina Public Service Workers Union, local of the United Electrical, Radio, and Machine Workers of America. In our communities, we fight on the job, but we also see the need to fight in our communities. There is no distance between the two. If we want justice on our jobs, we have to fight for justice in our communities. A lot of our communities face um, environmental hazards. Uh, Some of us come from communities that have super fun sites in the middle of them. Some of us are part of organizations, environmental organizations that fight against coal ash ponds, that fight, that are currently fighting against the um, Atlantic Coast Pipeline, which will come through predominantly of colors, communities of color, black and Native American communities. Um, so we're fighting against that. We're fighting against hog farms, uh, proliferation in North Carolina, and the dumping in our streams from being contaminated from hog farms. So we see the intersections between workers being poisoned on the job and workers being poisoned in our communities. We want to close with a song. So we wrote a song, Fruit of Labor wrote a song uh, about water contamination based upon struggles that were going on in North Carolina. So we're going to do a little bit of it right now. Okay. It's called Justice Flowing Down Like Water. Family drank from a deep clear well to the hearts and moved underground. Now the only story left to tell is innocence lost in community action. Justice flowing down like water. Clean water safe for all. Justice flowing down like water. Clean water safe for all. Justice flowing down like water. Clean water safe for all. Justice flowing down like water. Clean water safe for all. Little girl don't read so well, there's a lot that she'll never see. Some say it's the mercury in the fish of mama heat. Power plants causing you and me. Justice flowing down like water. Clean water safe for all. Justice flowing down like water. Clean water safe for all. Justice flowing down like water. Clean water safe for all. Justice flowing down like water. Clean water safe for all. Clean water, clean water safe for all. That's it. Y 
español, pero lo de nosotros sale del corazón, con sentimiento, con talento, violento, ojo, no con armas, sino con conocimiento, el intelecto emana de los foros, te metes en internet y lo ves en los foros, de sabiduría, aunque muchos locos piensen que son habladurías, pero que primero fondo la ciencia mía, para que después hablen como comadre, chismosa, yo te escribo en verso y en prosa, no soy Alice en el país de las maravillas, estamos claros, te portas mal, te acribillas, te hacen papillas, es que eso es obvio, o eres ángel o eres demonio, ni ni no, o eres ángel o eres demonio, quiero que a toda la gente con las manos arriba, ¿dónde están los latinos con las manos arriba? Que vive el hip hop con las manos arriba, ¿Qué? con las manos arriba, que viva la cultura con las manos arriba, el deporte con las manos arriba, Venezuela con las manos arriba, ¿Qué? Y lo que más me alegra, la gente latina siempre será gente negra. to walk you back to Africa on the Moon. We are coming to the end of the road today. This program thing was Bob Speaks on Wall. Bob stands for Black Virginia Report. We may not make some announcements and our closing remarks. We first will go to our brother, Chief is still there with us, Brother Moses. Your final thoughts for tonight. For tonight, Brother Moses, your final thoughts. Okay, we have still we have some technical problems, Brother Moses. Let's go to Sister Eleanor. Sister Eleanor, your final thoughts for tonight. Well, Brother Africa and panelists and our listening audience, Brother Africa and panelists and our listening audience, I'd like to uh, first, Brother Africa, thank you for having me on the show. And I'd like to also apologize for not knowing the correct pronunciation of the two federations within Ukraine that are facing oppression by the puppet government and the uh, narrow nationalism that Zelensky is uh, promoting. Narrow nationalism is harmful to the people. So, I'd like to apologize for not knowing how to pronounce the names of the two regions and uh, thank you for allowing me to participate. And uh, Brother Africa, if you'd like, I can spell the two regions again or 
or maybe uh, uh, the show um, choice. The show choice of You had the right um, to. Let me think. It's please to. It's your choice. The if you like to do that, you have the time to do that. Yes. Um, the the one uh, the end. They are Moscow recon, recognition of independence of uh, Donetsky. D O N E T S K and Lugansky, L-U-G-A-N-S-K, People's Republic, in the Ukraine. Now, this started, this was in February that Moscow recognized these two People's Republic in the Ukraine. And it has escalated with propaganda and the uh, economic empowerment of NATO nations and the militarization of these nations, which is dangerous for the world, for us as Africans, for Mother Earth and the environment. We have to demand the dismantling of NATO, and we have to stop this international, well, imperialism is just international thievery with these sanctions, and to have the nerve for our president, Joe Biden, to literally say that uh, uh, he wanted the Russian sanctions. His plan was that the Russian, Russian sanctions over the Ukraine were in, are intentionally seeking to hurt Venezuela, Nicaragua, and Cuba. How many people have we harmed? These sanctions in Iraq. We left the Afghanis who aligned themselves with us in turmoil without food and resources to provide heat in the very cold Afghani winter. We are ignoring the Israeli apartheid expansion into Syria today, Brother Africa. These are atrocities, and we need to not accept this new world order, but to think about how we're going to change the environment, change the political outlook, and our reliance on fossil fuels, and seek to educate all people and to stop this economic degradation that the U.S. and European nations through NATO and other resources impose on nations around the world. And if we claim that Somalia is a direct threat to the United States, who's next? Will it be Ghana? Will it be Zimbabwe? Somalia is in the East Africa. Mogadishu is capital. How much further could it get from the United States? Idea that war, whether by drones and satellite intelligence, is acceptable. And people need to be educated and know and learn what's going on right now before our very faces. So thank you, Brother Africa. Thank you. Thank you, sister. Panelist. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Next, we'll go to 
Um, Brother Anthony, uh, any announcements and final thoughts for tonight? Yes. Uh, let's see. Um, please uh, check out our website, www.a-aprp-dc.org. Uh, for more information regarding uh, the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC, our program line and ideology, and also for announcements regarding our African Liberation Day, Palestine Day commemoration, uh, which is going to take place uh, during the month of May 2022 this year. Uh, and also, you uh, while at, at, while you visit our website, you can also uh, check out uh, and purchase uh, Bob Brown's new book. Uh, we demand the full disclosure and digitization of all slavery era records, volumes one and two. And uh, you could uh, go to that website and uh, purchase both volumes of that book uh, for yourselves or or to give as a gift uh, to a friend or relative. And uh, once again, you can find out uh, 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 about this and more by visiting our website, www.a-aprp-gc.org. And my final thought for tonight is that we must study our history and uh, become more uh, uh, and, and join an organization that is working for our people's liberation, such as the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Brother Anthony. Brother Haki, any announcements and final thoughts for tonight? Brother Haki. Yes, African Awareness will be going to Cuba, annual Black History Education and Culture Travel Challenge in solidarity with the people, the culture educators, artists, and women. Uh, This trip will take place July 23rd to July 31st, leaving from Cancun, Mexico. While in Cuba, we'll be visiting Guantanamo, Santiago de Cuba, and Havana. Um, now, if you want the pre-application form, please email us at African Awareness Association, all one word, number two, at gmail.com. Uh, for additional information, you can email us at African Awareness Association, P.O. Box 4433, Richmond, B.A., 23220, or contact, contact us at 804-549-7492 or article 202 or visit our website at www.aaa-cubatools.com, www.aaa-cubatools.com. And, brother, my, 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 my final statement, Brother Africa, is, 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 is in, it's in the form of a warning. One of the things you got to understand, when they implement these sanctions, the people who really get hurt, uh, not just the people abroad who get hurt, but the people right here in America who also get hurt. Uh, currently, the, in, the inflation rate in the United States is over 8%. Uh, we're talking about uh, we're talking about an increase from, 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 from 7.9% from just a week ago. 
So clearly, Brother Africa, uh, the, the implications in terms of people's ability to get those things they need in society are compromised by the growing inflation rate. And here's the thing we have to understand. The inflation rate is going to continue to grow because one of the things that they're doing, when the Federal Reserve talk about actually you know, increasing interest rates, it, it has the effect of making money more, more, more expensive to borrow. In the context of, you know, uh, having money to spend, uh, one of the things why money is so important in terms of the economy, because when money circulates through the economy, what it does, it, it, it does what's called a multiplier effect. Actually, that money supply actually expands. So you give me $10, I spend the $10, that person spends the $10, other person spends the $10, so, so on, so on. So the money supply actually expands. But what they're proposing to do by increasing the interest rates actually is going to be a contraction of the money supply. So it'd be less money in, uh, in, in, in circulation, which means it's going to have a devastating impact on food, uh, housing, uh, cars, so forth and so on, those kind of assets that people rely on in terms of just being able to subsist in a society. So clearly we got a very uh, ominous situation headed for us. We have to seriously think about the implications of what's going on in society. And keep in mind, do not let the media deceive you into believing that the problem is the other. The problem is not the other. The problem is the ruling class and the, and the tumultuous greed uh, that is very much part, you know, of, of their mindset. So having said that, Brother Africa, as always, I encourage people you know, to unravel the matrix. Uh, it is key. We need institutions. We need this organization. We need to start thinking much deeper in terms of what's going on in society and the implications for us all in the society. Because without that deeper understanding of what's going on in the society, I'm very concerned that, you know, um, in, in the main amount of uh, enormous number of people are going to fall prey uh, to a vicious political design that has no empathy, has no concern for humanity, doesn't care about humanity. So we got our work cut out for us. Have to send that, Brother Africa. You have a good night. And you do the same, Brother Ikea. All our planning and analysts, all our listening audience, our supporters and friends. We just recommend you that I'll spread the word. The Africa Movement is a weekly program. It can be heard every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Do as you come to speak the truth to the powerless and the powerful. You come to mind as well that in order to overcome your suffering, the greatest tool you can use is organization. So we, too, would like to encourage you that if you're in love with your people, you want to help Mother Africa and humanity, the best way you can do this is to be organized. And we know that without information, you cannot think, and without organization, you cannot think clearly. Therefore, we hope to give you information that you can use. We hope to give you information that you can use. We hope to give you information that will inspire you to higher heights, to be more active in terms of working for your people and liberation. Until next time, to all our brothers and sisters who are out there in the trenches, no matter how to get, remember, keep your head up to struggle. All things is possible. We'll see you next week. This has been Africa on the Move. God, send me lies and a little girl named Corinne. To say the black of the best, the sweet 
of the juice. I face the dark of the flesh and the deep of the roots. I give a holler to my sister's own welfare. If I can, if don't nobody else can. And uh, I know they like to beat you down a lot. And when you come around the block, brothers clown a lot. So please don't cry, dry your eyes, never let up. Forget, but don't forget, girl, keep your head up. And when he tells you you ain't nothing, don't believe him. And if you can't learn to love, you should leave him. Cause sister, you don't need and I ain't trying to catch up, I just call them how I see. You know what makes me unhappy? That when brothers make mistakes and leave a young mother to be a cat. And since we all came from a woman, got our name from a woman, and I came from a woman. I wonder why we take from our women, why we rape our women, do we hate our women? I think it's time to kill for our women, time to heal our women, be real to our women. And if we don't, we'll have a race of babies that will hate the ladies. Touch. 
just want the whole world to know about my bad brother. I love you, and I'll never try to hurt you. I want you to know that I'm here for you forever, true, because you're my bad brother, strong brother, and there is no one above you.
exploitation and strife Cause nothing is Is more precious in life Waste wind With your splendor Take more people by the hand Press your
Niggas are scared of revolution. But niggas shouldn't be scared of revolution. Because revolution is nothing but change. And all niggas do is change. Niggas come in for murder and change into pimping clothes. Hit the streets to make some quick change. Niggas change their hair from black to red to blonde. And hope black hair looks will change. Niggas kill other niggas just because one didn't receive the correct change. Niggas change from men to women, from women to men. Niggas change, change, change. You hear niggas say, things are changing, things are changing. Yeah, things are changing. Niggas things into black nigga things. Black nigga things that go through all kinds of changes. The change in the day that makes it rent and rave. Black power, black power, and the change. That comes over them at night as they shy and moan. I die. Woo, I die. Niggas always going through bullshit change. But when it comes for real change, niggas are scared of revolution. Niggas are actors. Niggas are actors. Niggas act like they're in a hurry to catch the first act of the great white host. Niggas start to act like Malcolm. And when the white man doesn't react to them like he did Malcolm, niggas want to act violently. Niggas act so cool. And slick, causing white people to say, What makes you niggas act like that? Niggas act like you ain't never seen nobody act before. But when it comes to acting out revolution, niggas say, I can't dig in action. Niggas are scared of revolution. Niggas are very untogether people. Niggas talk about getting high and riding around in L's. Niggas to get high and ride to hell. Niggas talk about pimping, pimping that, pimping what, pimping yours, pimping mine. Just to be pimping is a hell of a line. Niggas are very untogether people. Niggas talk about the mind, talk about my mind stronger than yours. I got that bitch's mind upside. Niggas don't know a damn thing about the mind, but they be right. Niggas are scared of revolution. Niggas fuck. Niggas fuck, fuck, fuck. Niggas love the words fuck. They think they're so fucking cute. They fuck you around. The first thing they say when they're mad is fuck it. You play a little too much with them. They say fuck you. When it's time to TTB, niggas are somewhere fucking. Try to be nice to them. They fuck over you. Niggas don't realize while they're doing all this fucking. They're getting fucked around. But when they do realize, it's too late. So niggas just get fucked up. Niggas talk about fucking. Fucking that. Fucking this. Fucking yours, fucking masters, not knowing what they're fucking for, ain't fucking for love and appreciation, just fucking to be fucking, niggas fuck white side, black side, yellow side, brown side, niggas fuck angles when they want dollar side, niggas fuck Charlie, Linda, and Sue, and if you don't want out, niggas will fuck you, niggas will fuck fuck if it could be fucked, but when it comes to fucking for revolutionary causes, niggas say fuck revolution, niggas are scared of revolution. Niggas are players, niggas are players, are players, niggas play football, baseball, and basketball, while the white man is cutting off their balls. When a niggas play ain't tight enough to play with some black sides, niggas play with white sides to see if they still have some play left. And when the white sides to play with, niggas play with themselves. Niggas tell you they're ready to be liberated, but when you say, let's go take our liberation, niggas reply, I was just playing. Niggas are playing with revolution and losing. Niggas are scared of revolution. Niggas
niggas do a lot of shooting, niggas do a lot of shooting, niggas shoot off at the mouth, niggas shoot blue, niggas shoot traps, niggas go around the corners and shoot down the streets, niggas shoot sharp branches and white women, niggas shoot dope into the arms, niggas shoot guns and rifles on New Year's Eve, a New Year instead of coming in, but white police would do more shooting at them, where are niggas when the revolution needs some shots, yeah you know, niggas are somewhere shooting this shit, niggas are scared of Commercials. You can take niggas out of the country, but you can't take the country out of niggas. Niggas are lovers, are lovers, are lovers. Niggas love to hear Malcolm rap, but they didn't love Malcolm. Niggas love everything but themselves. But I'm a lover too. Yep, I'm a lover too. I love niggas, I love niggas, I love niggas. Because niggas are me, and I should only love that which is me. I love to see niggas. Go through changes, love to see niggas act, love to see niggas make them plays and shoot this shit. But there's one thing about niggas I do not love. Niggas are scared of revolution.